Hello, everybody, and thank you so much again for tuning in to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I really appreciate all of your support for those that continue to tune in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough. And for those that may be new to this podcast, uh, you're getting the better episodes because at the beginning it was definitely not, uh, did not sound as good. And I'm still working. It's a work in progress, working on finding the right music for intro and outro, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, starting off, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. And I do two podcasts. Generally, uh, Thursdays are Thursday Thoughts. They are the shorter version of the podcast. And on the Thursday Thoughts editions, I, I usually run less than 30 minutes or so. And then on the Sunday sit-down editions, longer than 30 minutes, up to an hour or even longer as I'm going to be getting... Hel- uh, sorry, I apologize. As I'm going to be getting on some interviewees and people that I'd like to have discussions with about topics that I'm passionate about. Those three topics mainly are going to be family health slash fitness and the outdoors and how all of that wraps into one. And for me, uh, faith intertwines with every single one of those. So you'll hear me talk a little bit about my faith and, and why that intertwines with my family, fitness and health and the outdoors. So thanks again for tuning in. If you want on Apple podcast, I would appreciate it if you'd go over and leave a review. If you have any feedback for me, send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at red.beard.outdoors. You can also send me a message on Facebook. I also have a page red.beard.outdoors on Facebook. And then uh, if you're interested in joining our private health group, health and fitness group, where uh, you get the wonderful motivation from me on a daily basis and some help as far as networking with people that are able to help you with your fitness goals, uh, shoot me a message as well. I'd love to have you join that group. So heading into the, the podcast today, the topic today is going to be my first year of bow hunting. And this is probably going to be split at least into two, if not multiple more podcasts, uh, because it's been quite the adventure so far. And I say so far because I'm not quite done yet. I still have an elk tag that is any elk, so bull or cow, until December 15th. So I'm waiting for all the rifle hunters and the muzzleloader hunters to get done with their thing, and then I'm going to head back out near the middle to end of November. And once I've also filled that time cup back up a little bit with my family, because I've been gone quite a bit, as we'll discuss here. So my journey started with bow hunting. Uh, it's actually started a couple years ago. My buddy Brent got me into hunting out west in general. I was actually on the verge and we my wife and I had talked about starting to look at moving back east because I'm from North Carolina originally and I miss the greenery. I miss nature being all around you. And so that was something that I I I just grew up with. Uh, I grew up always having pets. I grew up as you drive down the highway, you can't see the other side of the highway because there's trees down the middle. Uh, it wasn't as flatlander for sure. Uh, and, and I love what I called mountains. Now I recognize they're, they're a lot smaller. They are older. So I'll give them that they've worn down quite a bit, but the Appalachian mountains, I loved those. We drive the blue Ridge parkway uh, in the fall when it seemed like a paintbrush just went across the mountains and I just loved it. I, I love the culture and everything about being back in North Carolina. So as we were talking about that, I, I actually 
remember uh, I got a, a phone call from Brent and found out throughout, I can't remember what the phone call was about, but eventually I found out he was, he was in our neighborhood and, and that uh, he was a hunter. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to get out and, and enjoy the mountains a little bit more. Let's, let's see what this is all about. Cause out East, it's a little different. You sit in a tree stand or a blind. And for me, that was a little boring. It wasn't really something I was excited about, but out here out West, I love hiking with my family and being out that uh, in the mountains. And so that seemed interesting. So anyway, he was very gracious enough to let me tag along in my newness, rookiness. Uh, I didn't have a hunting rifle. Uh, I wasn't ready to start hunting, but I did want to see what it was all about. So long story short, tagged along with him for a year. Then I started putting in for my own hunts, got my own rifle set up. Uh, and then I was successful two years in a row for each tag that I drew from mule deer bucks uh, nothing huge. Again, I'm not a trophy hunter. If you've listened to my past podcast, I'm in it for the experience and then also for filling the freezer, at least for right now. So those are my first, I want to say it was four years. So first year was shadowing. The next year I was unsuccessful in drawing and I still continue to go out and hunt with Brent, mainly rifle. Throughout this whole time, he's kind of poking at me about bow hunting and how bow hunting is a little bit different of an experience and and he explained the details he knew my passion for fitness and for the outdoors for animals in general which yes if you don't quite comprehend how I can love animals and still hunt uh, please reach out to me I'll probably cover it in a future podcast but that's a discussion for another day or again privately through messaging Uh, I'd love to talk about that so he kept kind of poking me in the side a little bit, proverbially, uh, just to get into bow hunting because of, again, the fitness aspect of it, the getting closer to the animals, uh, the skill, the technique, the tinkering that it takes to be, to, to truly be good at bow hunting. And I just kind of kept saying, there was a lot of reasons between the budget and a bunch of other things. I just didn't feel like I had the time. I wasn't as passionate about hunting at the time. And then the first two years that I filled my my rifle tag, I said, okay, I, this is something that I've done, I'm, I've gone two for two, and maybe I should step it up a little bit. And I didn't, again, want to head into the the trophy aspect of, of hunting. I, I, I don't agree with trophy hunting per se. I agree with looking for mature, older animals that are in their prime or their decline and uh, maybe starting to look in that or looking into bow hunting. And so I finally just pulled the trigger and uh, I was able to start last year in 2020. In September, I purchased, maybe it was, it was August or September, I purchased a bow. It took about a month uh, to get it in, get it set up and tuned and everything in the shop. And the guys at Wild Arrow, by the way, if you're in Utah, they are fantastic. Uh, if you live in the Salt Lake area, uh, they're in the Centerville area. Uh, if you just look them up, Wild Arrow, I don't know why they misspelled it, W-I-L-D-E. Actually, I do know why. <laughs> but that's just an ongoing joke, sorry. Um, I would recommend that you look them up if you're into bows at all, and they can get you set up with a really, really sweet setup. 
and get you tuned and ready to go either on the mountain or if you're a target shooter, whatever it may be. So got my bow set up and I had, I knew that I had a shorter draw length. And so I wanted to have higher poundage on my bow because I wanted to be able to, if I wanted to have your arrow, still have good uh, speed on my arrow, et cetera, et cetera. So I went with the 70 to 80 pound limbs on my, my Hoyt that I ordered. When they came in, it was pulling at 86 pounds according to their, their scale, which I mean, generally they come in a couple pounds hot anyway, but me being brand new and not really having pulled back a bow, I felt like I was going to rip my shoulder off when I first tried to pull that bow back. So I had them turn it down to, I want to say it was 73 pounds and I was able to pull that back. And so what I did for the next two weeks, I dedicated, it was either 20 or 30 reps a day to shooting my bow. Now it wasn't about accuracy. It wasn't about getting tuned or anything. It was all about the technique of keeping your shoulder high, pushing and pulling at the same time, pinching your shoulder blades. Again, we can go into that technique later, but following the proper technique, getting the right anchor. And I think I set my target up maybe five yards away. And I was sore for that first week. I was sore every single day. It was ridiculous. And I just thought, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tune, turn the bow up. Uh, but that kept creeping into my mind. I said, no, I'm going to max this thing out because I want to be the most efficient that I can with my arrows. I want to be the most uh, ethical with shooting a, an animal with a bow. I want to have the distance feel comfortable at some distance with my arrows and also knowing that I'm going to make sure that I have that ethical shot that it will have a full pass through uh, to where the animal will, will pass away quickly and not suffer. Those were, those were all in my head as I was doing these 20 to 30 reps a day for that first week. And I was sore as all get out. Then that second week rolled around and I started mixing things up a little bit more. I was kneeling, I was sitting on my butt and making sure, and I would video myself. Now that's something else that I would recommend too is taking videos at different angles or having someone video you so that you can see what you're doing wrong so that you can correct it before you practice bad habits. You don't want to get those into your system. From an early stage, I was brand new. I was sending videos off to people that I trusted online and they were giving me tips and, and tricks or whatever you want to call them to get better, right? So that's all within those first two weeks. And again, I was sitting because sitting and kneeling will tell you if you're overbowed, meaning if you're if you're using too much of your lower body to pull your bow back and to hold it back. That means you've got too much poundage. So I was testing that before I went back to the shop and had it turned back up. So I went from 73 pounds after two weeks to going back to the shop, having them turn it up. And now at this point, it kind of settled in by how many reps I had done. And it was pulling, I want to say it was either 84 pounds or 85. So it lost about a pound, which is normal. And so then I got my stuff tuned. My sight tape went through that whole process. Again, I was doing about 20 reps a day, daily. I would take it out to a park that had a good backstop or wherever. And I was sighting in my bow the way that it needed to be sighted in. And so 
all of those things were going on in the first couple months. Now, I had had a couple people say, hey, you should go buy the over-the-counter archery elk tag and go ahead and hunt your first year. And I, I had told myself a hard no on that because, I again, I wanted to be as ethical as possible. And I didn't feel like I could shoot consistently at that point. And so I wanted reps under my belt before I started hunting any animals. Then fall rolls around and I decided to pick up a turkey tag. And in the fall of this year, or of that year, it was any turkey. So it could be a hen or a gobbler. And I knew someone that had some land that constantly had had turkeys on it. So again, I wanted to get reps in. And so I started with that. And a turkey is kind of a small target. If you've never looked at the vitals on a turkey, I'd recommend looking at the vitals on a turkey. It's not that big. And so I went out and I was hunting with my bow. And the first turkey that I hit, um, I want to—I can't remember the yardage. I want to say it was maybe 30 yards. And I felt like it was a good hit. And then I found the... Uh, uh, I actually did not end up finding the arrow and I didn't find the turkey. I didn't find blood. I found some feathers, um, but it made me think that I probably completely missed the vitals and just had hit some feathers and couldn't find the turkey. The turkey had run off. So that was near the beginning of the season. I, I got to experience kind of that rush of adrenaline that you get, calming myself down, not getting the quote unquote buck fever, but it was for a turkey. And and going through that first miss and realizing, man, this is not nearly as easy as rifle hunting. Cause I mean, that's pretty set in stone, at least for me, knowing where I'm going to hit the side is on, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just being that far away from an animal when you shoot with a rifle that I just never got buck fever. I don't know. I was always able to focus pretty, pretty easy, but long story short, uh, couldn't find that first Turkey. So I went back out and then I had some friends with me and I had set up in this little area where I knew they kind of always flew into this clearing and they'd hang out for a little bit. And I told myself, I didn't care if it was Tom or hen. I just wanted a turkey down. I wanted some reps under my belt and I wanted the meat uh, for my family. Also during this time, um, just kind of a flashback. This was, I want to say it was January or February of 2021. So I'd give myself a couple months and at the gym, I, I hardly ever did a warm up, uh, and I had had a previous shoulder injury, uh, years back. And so my shoulders were not nearly what they used to be. And what I've started doing, what I had started doing was daily, I would use stretchy bands or, uh, the bands with the handles on them. And I would do what's called a T Y T's and I would do external and internal rotation. I'd do multiple sets of those before I even started my workout every single morning to make sure that my rotator cuff was covered, that my rear delts, uh, deltoids, my rear shoulder muscles, I had good posture and they were good enough that I wouldn't mess my shoulders up any more than I already had and even better, strengthen them more so that I could, again, be more effective with my bow but also be healthier. It's crazy. So the bow hunting led into my shoulders being healthier rather than tearing my shoulders down. Uh, and again, I can go, I'm going to go into that in a, in a future episode when I'm talking more about health and fitness aspect of hunting. All right. So now that I interjected there, 
heading back to this turkey hunt. Uh, I was sitting in this clearing. My buddies were in a different clearing that sometimes they go over to. And uh, I was just waiting and waiting. And the edge of the clearing was a little over, I think it was 42 or 43 yards, just slightly over 40 yards. So I had my sight ready, had my sight dialed. I've got a three pin sight on there. So anything under that 43 yards, uh, I was good. I had my pins for it. I was ready to go. And of course, they come right over just like they had been every morning. And I just pulled back. I use a handheld release and I anchored in my normal anchor. Kind of felt the heart pumping a little bit, took a couple breaths and just talked to myself. And I have my, my shot sequence that I go through in my head where I go anchor, bubble, and then I say, to myself if if I remember <laughs> I'm not perfect at this but at the time I, I did go through it and I told myself to pull 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 and then it went off it broke the, the shot broke and my buddy I didn't realize he was taking a video but he took a video and I mean the process looks great and you see the turkey just start flopping and then uh, the turkey uh, passed away expired died whatever word you want to use for that and I went over and I was so excited. It was a hen. Uh, it wasn't very big, but it was my first harvest with a bow. And that got me hooked. If all the other process didn't get me hooked of the fitness aspect and the tinkering aspect to it, the this filling my tag got me absolutely just locked in, hooked to bow hunting. So then I, I took the hen home. We, uh, my daughter actually helped me clean it. She wanted all the feathers. <laughs> I didn't let her keep it because, uh, that anyway, probably would have turned into a mess in the house, but she got to help me clean it. And then my son actually helped me prepare the meat and, uh, we smoked it. Uh, some of it we wrapped in bacon and smoked. Um, anyway, it was delicious, amazing. And so again, even more so got me hooked. So I continued the process and all throughout this time, I, I, I'd been watching some videos and it's kind of hard to, at the beginning, distinguish who's trying to sell you something, who really knows what they're talking about on YouTube and Instagram and all the social medias. And I found a couple of guys that I really stuck with that I, I really uh, found that they gave good information, weren't trying to sell you anything. They're obviously sponsored, but even so they would say, Hey, yes, I recommend obviously that you try out this bow but also go try the other ones and whatever works best for you use that one because this one person it's uh, elk shape you've probably heard me mention him a million times you're going to hear me mention him again he's a good friend uh, his name's dan dan the fitness man whatever you want to call him elk shape uh, he gives out great information content he's very no bs blue collar and loves to tinker loves to mess with his bow, his arrow setup, and is also very focused on elk hunting. He loves to hunt other species as well, but mainly elk because of the challenge, because of the fitness aspect behind it. And he's always tinkering because he wants to have the most efficient setup and the most efficacious setup to where when he has that shot, he's dialed in and he knows it's going to be an ethical shot and that that elk will die quickly and not suffer. So going through his videos and a couple other people that, like I said, I found that I trusted that didn't feel like salesmen and were uh, had actual experience and, and knew what they were talking about, uh, I 
was going through that whole process and I actually found uh, that there was a camp that Elk Shape was putting on. And so again, this is, again, I'm daily, daily, daily taking reps with my bow and mostly because they're short distance reps, it's focused on technique and my shot process, not necessarily shooting at distance. Every once in a while, I get a chance to go shoot at distance. I've got a couple friends that allow me to do that, and I'm very grateful for that. But mainly, it's all about that that shot process, talking myself through the shot and through the follow-through and having good technique are my main focuses. Uh, because, again, you work with what you got. It, it, don't make excuses. Don't say, I can't, because then you won't. And so for me, I don't have a lot of range, but I can I can focus on what I can focus on. And I'm going to do that. So, in uh, again, going back to the fitness part of this, and I'll, I'll review more of this, but I ended up winning a scholarship to the Elk Shape Camp. And that was what I wanted. He was giving away some awesome prizes. Again, I recommend following him. And going to his camp, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a little, in just a moment, but I won a scholarship, which is what I wanted. I wanted the knowledge and I wanted to be able to go and learn from this man that has lots of experience. And then I found out he was bringing other people as well. Uh, Dirk Durham, the bugler. If you guys know anything about elk calling, you've probably heard of him. Jeff Bynum, who is an awesome financial guy. And if you need a financial advisor, I'd recommend going to him, especially because he has the right mindset of uh, he'll talk to you as to what your goals are and focus your financial goals on that, not just a cookie cutter uh, goal setting system for you. And uh, we we had a couple other guests that were there as well, and uh, but mainly it was just an amazing camp. I had a great time, and so that was so. I'm jumping forward again to March. I want to say it was March, March or April, somewhere around there, when I got to go to this to this three-day camp. Very little was focused on bow shooting. He tested us at different ranges. Uh, he had us run sprints and laps and, and do a bunch of crazy things, get our heart rate up and shoot at distance and shoot through this metal plate that had this hole that was the size of, I think it was the, the either the tin ring or the, I don't know, I think it was the tin ring. And at, at 40-ish yards. And it was just an amazing experience. Got to meet people that are like-minded, willing to work hard, willing to put in the work and to get after it. And even, and, and just that failure is not an option. Like those, all of those things, that mindset is what came along with that camp. And, and it's something that I had ingrained in me, but finding other people that are like-minded has helped a ton as well. So got through that camp, learned a lot. Again, if you have not gone to one of his camps, look him up. And I highly recommend going to the camp nearest you. He's phenomenal. And he brings on people. I think this year he's got uh, Joel Turner coming from Shot IQ. And he's got a couple other guests. I don't have a list right here in front of me. Go look it up. It's amazing and totally worth your time and money. And he always says he's not trying to sell you anything but hard work. And that's what it takes, is that mindset. So, uh, anyway, going back to the process, right, my first year. So, went to Elk Shape Camp, learned quite a bit, and I've started to apply those things, especially to my workouts, and how 
I could make sure that I was in the best shape possible to get up on the mountain. Over that year, since the beginning of 2020 until elk season, uh, the end of August, I had lost 45 pounds. Now, I had hit my heaviest weight at 240, and then I got down to 45 pounds. So I was hovering around 195, 193 was the lowest point that I had gotten to at that moment. And I kept it off. And I'd built good habits, figured out my nutrition, dialed that in, and was just living as healthy as I possibly could at that moment. And then came, I guess we received end of May, early June, uh, the the draws that we had put in. And I put in for a doe, mule deer, for a bow. Because I wanted, again, I wanted reps before I got out in, into hunting elk. These big seven, 800 pound animals with swords on their heads. I wanted something maybe a little bit more experience out you know, shooting a big game animal with a bow. A little bit more than turkey. So I ended up drawing a doe tag. And I had this guy who's, I mean, it's basically, this property is up on uh, what we call a bench, but basically up on the mountain. It borders uh, Wasatch National Forest. It's in this area. It was perfect. And there's always does on this area. And there's some smaller bucks, but there's always does. And so I went up there and I spent a couple days with, uh, well, hunting does. And so, again, I'm going to talk a little bit about some failure that I experienced as well. Kind of like that first time when I shot the turkey. I know I hit it, right? Uh, but I didn't find any blood. So I'm assuming that turkey survived, grew his feathers back, and is, is well on his way to, uh, to being, doing turkey things. So I hunted does, and I had always, there was always one or two things. Either the wind wasn't right, or I busted them before light, whatever. But uh, I wasn't quite getting, having the success that I needed. Or they were just out of, out of range, and it was a wide open mountainside. I couldn't creep up on them without setting off any alarms in their heads. So then I was heading down one morning and I had this one kind of pop out downhill, pretty steep. It was, I think it ended up being 51 or 52 yards. And I had told myself I wouldn't shoot at anything over 60. So it was in within my range and it was a steep shot, but I had felt very comfortable uh, with this because I had gone to tack. And that was another amazing experience, which I guess I just skipped over, so I need to go back to that. But I had gone to tack. I had done some steep shots. I felt comfortable. And uh, in at this very moment, I was good. She wasn't. She didn't see me, this doe. And so I knocked an arrow. I drew back. I bubbled right, and or I bubbled correctly. And then she, she looked up. I guess she saw some movement or something. She was perfect broadside, or so I thought. And I let the arrow fly, and I know it hit because, well, I saw it hit. <laughs> and it felt awesome. You can ask, I, I called a good buddy of mine immediately, probably celebrated a little too soon when I got down to the arrow. And the arrow was had, had gone through and buried uh, probably four inches into the dirt. And it was good blood. It was, uh, it was bright red. And it was a good trail, a good blood trail. And so I gave it a little bit, calmed my nerves down, uh, talked with some of my friends. Uh, I heard her, uh, 
what sounded like either bed down or something, but I didn't hear any crashing. And so, um, anyway, I, I followed the blood trail. I waited about 30, 45 minutes. I can't remember. Uh, and then I, it started to get spotty. It wasn't gushing or anything. It was just kind of spotty blood trail, but it was a good blood trail. And so I followed it down this little ravine, uh, draw area, and then back up. And I think I busted her because I heard some, some loud crashing and running off onto this other land that, uh, it was kind of a bummer because I, I didn't know the person personally. And, uh, I was kind of worried that I'd lost this deer. And so I got to the last spot of, of blood and it was just this congealed spot. Anyway, long story short, to spare you the details, I got to last blood and I couldn't find anything else, anything else. And it really frustrated me because I know it was a good solid pass through what the heck happened. And so I, I was there for probably an hour and a half and then I decided to back out and I had a meeting that I needed to be at. And so I went to this meeting and it actually ended up being with the guy whose property this was on. And he offered, he told me I had permission to go on his property and look for this doe. And he actually offered help. And so we had three of us out there. We gridded the area and we couldn't find any more blood from last blood. So frustrating. And so we kind of went back and walked through the shot. And I believe what happened was the way I hit and it, because it was so steep, it was a pass through, but it, it went through and missed the vitals. It was just below the vitals in the brisket area hence the, the drips instead of big bunches of blood. And, uh, and so I, we never recovered that dough. And I was really sad. I was, I was really, uh, frustrated about that. And, uh, and, and we talked about it and I went back and looked up the anatomy and reviewed things. And, and, uh, and I truly believe that, uh, I, I believe she survived. At least I hope so. Um, in my in my mind, she did, and it was really sad. I, it took me a couple of days. I, I was kind of beat down because I I trained so much to be in that right spot at the right time, and then to have failed, and that was just extremely frustrating for me. Extremely frustrating for me. But it happens. And so I learned from that. And what did I learn from that? Maybe 50 yards is my effective range. <laughs> so I went back and I just practiced harder and harder. And I made sure to shoot my broadheads more frequently and made sure that they stayed in tune. And I actually went back out. Uh, I was given permission again by, by this property owner. And because I had done my due diligence over two days of looking for this doe and couldn't find anything, no more blood and definitely not a, a, a body. Um, I felt comfortable going back out to notch my tag. And so I was on my last day of the doe hunt and doe with a bow at least. And I went out and I was super frustrated because I ran into two bucks that were nice looking bucks the does were behind them. There was no way to get to them. And so I just got to watch them as they walked over the ridge and onto someone else's property. Um, and then eventually onto uh, 
national national forest. And so, uh, you know, I was kind of defeated. I was like, well, you know, I, I had great experience, didn't notch my tag necessarily. I started heading back. And then I get right off the trail. I look up and like 80 yards up the hill from the trail was this doe alone. And she actually had already pinned me. She was looking at me. And I said, okay, well, um, now she's already seen me. What can I do? What's my play? And so I ended up sneaking up behind these trees and knocked an arrow. And I got her within, I think it was 45 yards when I ranged her last. 44, 45 yards. Felt comfortable with that. And I let an arrow fly. Went straight through, passed through completely. And uh, it actually had enough force, and I've, I've, I haven't seen this before with a bow, but I haven't also seen many in-person uh, bow harvests. She actually fell over, and, uh, and she was done. She, she died, and uh, that super quick. And I, I, was ec- I was ecstatic at first because I was like, oh, my goodness, after everything that I, you know, I'd worked on, this happened, my adrenaline was high, and then of course it comes back down, and I'm just watching just to make sure I have another arrow knock just in case she did pop back up, it happens sometimes, and she didn't, and there was no more movement, no breathing, nothing, I knew she was, she was done, and that at that moment, I, again, going back into my faith, had my moment of respect and humility as I came up to the doe, and I put my hands on her, I, you know, did my normal process of when I harvest an, an animal, uh, I, I say my prayer. I give thanks to Heavenly Father for the opportunity that I have to hunt, to, to live in this nation where I'm allowed to harvest an animal and that I can have this opportunity of what I call fair chase hunting and that I was able to harvest and that, and then I, you know, I thank the animal for providing the meat for my family and for this opportunity that I had as well. After that moment of respect, you clean the animal and I went on my way. So that was the first pretty much year of bow hunting for me. That was up until the end of August. And I'm going to get into my elk hunting in a little bit, but that whole year was a roller coaster, ups and downs, craziness, and along with all the other training, the fitness training, health training, I went to something called TAC, which is Total Archery Challenge, TAC, and for TAC, I would, again, recommend anyone who is into bow hunting and has any sort of elevation gain loss, and even if you don't, Go to this event. Spend the money. It's not that expensive. Get a group of friends together, which makes it even more fun. And get your snacks together and go spend a day shooting your bow at these 3D targets out in the woods where they put you in more realistic scenarios than you can imagine. Out here in Park City where we went, uh, these we had these super steep shots. I think the average shot was around 60 yards. They had some over 100, which... Some people argue about that. My personal opinion is if you practice at that range, then you know your effective range is somewhere about half 
of what you can do at a hundred or plus. And we had a lot of fun. We had a blast. Again, I, I can't recommend that enough. Getting in, putting yourself in as many situations as realistically possible to challenge yourself, especially if you're into bow hunting, to know your effective range so that you can be ethical as a hunter and you can harvest the animal quickly and efficiently. You can get in positions that you will be uncomfortable before you get out to actually hunt. So when that moment comes and your heart rate goes through the roof and all those chemicals get dumped into your body that cause that buck fever feeling, you'll be ready as much as you can be to recognize that, talk yourself through the process, and be able to, to fill your tag and to harvest the animal, again, ethically. I can't reiterate that enough. Being as trained as possible with your bow and as physically healthy as possible to be respectful to the animal. That is our responsibility as hunters, to be physically capable of making that shot and to be confident in our equipment so that we can make an ethical shot. I can't reiterate being ethical enough. It's our responsibility to do that and respect as basic as a hunter, as a human being towards another living being in this case, an animal, you still need to have respect. They may not be able to talk to you in your language, but they are living creatures and they are giving their life to feed yours. So please be respectful. That's my first year of bow hunting up until the elk season. Elk season by itself was such a roller coaster and tons of fun and got me even more hooked than I'm already hooked on bow hunting. But that was basically my first year in review, uh, up to again up to elk season, and it was successful. I punched two tags. I was able to put some meat in the freezer, and now, well, we'll get into the elk hunting season in the next part of this podcast of my first year in bow hunting. I hope you learned something from this. I hope I was able to contribute to your success to your day. And to to bow hunting, as you hear my roller coaster of ups and downs in my first year, I really, really, really hope that if you're into bow hunting, that you have the same feelings that I do. And if not, again, I'd love to have a discussion with you about how you feel about bow hunting and what you do to train yourself and to be prepared as much as you can before you go out to harvest an animal. And if you're not into bow hunting, hopefully this got you nudged a little bit more into it. Uh, into the idea of possibly getting into bow hunting. If not, that's cool too. Uh, Muzzle loader and rifle hunting are awesome. If you use a shotgun, maybe out east, um, that's awesome too. I still recommend training with your weapon of choice so that you are confident, 100% confident when you get out there and your heart rate goes through the roof if you have that problem, like most of us do. And if you don't, please tell me your tricks because I'd love to know them. And also being physically as healthy as possible. Now, you don't have to be shredded. You don't have to look like Dan the Fitness Man out there on the on the mountain or if you're out east in a tree stand or in a blind. You don't have to look like that. But I do recommend being healthy so that you can pack out your animal, so that you can provide, and also, if not anything else, so that you can hunt longer. 
So you can be out in the mountains and out in nature longer. If you're healthy, you don't have to deal with all the issues that come along with being unhealthy. Whether that be gut issues, whether that be cardiovascular issues, whether that be knee problems, back problems, aches, pains, everything that comes along with being unhealthy. You don't have to be a gym rat to be healthy. When I say healthy, I mean physically active, nutritionally complete every single day. It doesn't matter if you have a a little bit of fat on your body. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, you don't have to have a six-pack to be a hunter. But I do want everyone to live healthier lives so that they can live longer, provide for their families, and if, if you're single, provide for yourself. Hit that recharge button every time you go out to the mountains or out into nature. Maybe you're into water skiing or water sports or snow sports, whatever. Again, whatever it may be. Just be healthy. I want everyone to be healthy. It influences everything in your life. From work to your family life to your hanging out with friends to your time that you're spent working on your hobbies. Please get healthy and I want to help you get there. So keep tuning in. And also, again, I can't reiterate this enough. Reach out to me. I will get back to you generally within 24 hours. Uh, Reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at red.beard.outdoors. And check out some of my pictures and information there. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, reach out. I'd love to chat with you. And if you got anything out of this, if it made you laugh, if, if you related to any of these stories, if you learned anything, uh, whatever it may be, if it benefited your life, please share it with someone else. I'd love to grow this community, and I can't wait to see where this is going to go. So thanks again for tuning in. And as always, get out, live your life, and love it. <laughs>